seated. Our gospel lesson today comes from the 10th chapter of Mark, starting in verse 2. Some Pharisees came and trying to test Jesus, they asked, Does the law allow a man to divorce his wife? Jesus answered, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a divorce certificate and to divorce his wife. Jesus said to them, He wrote this commandment for you because of your unyielding hearts. At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Because of this, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined together with his wife, and the two will be one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, humans must not pull apart what God has put together. Inside the house, the disciples asked him again about this. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a wife divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing children to Jesus so that he would bless them. But the disciples scolded them. When Jesus saw this, he grew angry and said to them, Allow the children to come to me. Don't forbid them, because God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. I assure you that whoever doesn't welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. Then he hugged the children and blessed them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the big theme that we're going to be looking at for the coming weeks is that of God's kingdom. In the four Gospels, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, or God's kingdom, over 100 times. And a lot of that time, he is spending time teaching what the kingdom of God is like. And I think sometimes when we think about the kingdom of God, it's in kind of strange language for us. We don't have kings and queens much in our world, or at least in our experience today. And so I'd like us to think of it a little bit as the reign of God, not, not, not reigns uh, that fall on the earth, but the reign, R-E-I-G-N, of God. The way that God rules in the world and over the world. Now in Matthew... The word that's used for the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. And I think because of that, we've confused this a lot. Because Jesus, when he's talking about the kingdom of God all throughout the Gospels, he is not talking about this distant, far-off place that we might conceive of as heaven. Rather, Jesus is talking about what's happening on earth, the way that the followers of him are empowered to live and advance God's reign in the world. I mean, our prayer that we pray every week that Jesus taught us to pray, right? says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Were Jesus uh, not talking about what happens on earth, he wouldn't have had us to pray that all the time and in his demonstration of how we should pray. So I like to think of God's kingdom a little bit like the place of Narnia in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And in, in that book and in that whole series, right, the world of Narnia is always there. It always exists beyond. But the thing is, is that you have to enter the wardrobe to get there. You have to enter into that space to be able to see an entirely different world that exists. Christian worship, teaching, 
prayer, our community together, it helps us to live as citizens of God's kingdom in the midst of a world that we can see. So in other words, we need help imagining and, and, and refocusing our efforts to see the kingdom of God in our midst in the very world that we can see around us. This requires imagination and creativity. And this was true 2,000 years ago, too. So Jesus told parables continually about God's kingdom to help people imagine the world that the prophets foretold, breaking in in their very midst. That's why he taught about it so very much. So first in our passage today, we get this really uncomfortable question for us in 21st century America about divorce. And many who have here who hear this passage and and who hear it today have gone through the pain of divorce personally in their lives. And I recognize that. And no one enters marriage anticipating that it will fail. Friends, I need you here today. This is not Jesus forbidding divorce and shaming anyone who's gone through a painful experience. Rather, reading this passage and other difficult passages about things that make us a little bit uncomfortable or squeamish when we sit requires interpretation and understand the context of where Jesus is coming from. You see, the Pharisees ask Jesus this question because they want to trick Jesus into insulting the, ro- the, the ruling Romans around, the Herods. Okay? So the Herod family had just had a divorce occur in their family, and they want Jesus to double down on that so to give them another reason to try to execute him at the time. Jesus doesn't take the bait, though, because he knows that the Pharisees follow Moses' law to the letter and beyond, right? So Jewish law at that time permitted divorce, and it permitted the man to write a divorce certificate against his wife really for any reason at all. This is obviously a vestige of patriarchy, and it put a woman in a lesser place than man in the society. And if a woman was cast aside in that culture, she literally had nothing Nothing at all. So Jesus, rather than referencing what Moses taught, he takes it all the way back to creation. Takes it back to Adam and Eve, basing his understanding of divorce on the covenant of marriage. One that binds two people together. Right? We get this language even from it. Let those whom God has joined, let no one put asunder, that a pastor says in a wedding ceremony. And the disciples follow up with Jesus after this because they want more about this idea. And Jesus presents this idea then about adultery. On the surface, what it seems that Jesus is saying is that marriage lasts a lifetime. So someone commits adultery against, against their former partner even if they are divorced. But in context, Jesus is saying this, that if a man divorces his wife and marries another, that he commits adultery against the woman. Now, this was revolutionary. In Greco-Roman society, the wife was viewed as property. And so if a man slept with another person's wife, it was said that he committed adultery against the other man. And what Jesus is doing is saying, no, you're actually committing adultery against the woman. Jesus is saying that in God's kingdom, women are equal and cannot be written off. That women should be protected instead of discarded in culture. So Jesus can call us to the holiness and sanctity of marriage, and he can speak 
compassionately to those who are hurt by divorce at the same time. I think that's something true in, in God's kingdom. That doesn't make that teaching, I, I recognize, like easy at surface value or any easier, but I do hope it digs in a little bit to what Jesus might be saying about God's kingdom as he teaches about that. And then Jesus then goes into this part about the children. And so we're like, oh, psh, we don't talk about the divorce part anymore. We can talk about kids. And that's a lot better. And so I understand how the disciples acted in this scene, right? I've brought kids into serious adult events before. A funeral, an art museum that is silent, where you can hear everything that drops. A classical concert, a wedding, a church service. Disciples feel like they're Jesus' bouncers or handlers here, right? They're protecting him from unworthy clients who he doesn't need to be spending his time with. But in Mark, Jesus spends his time around and with children a lot. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. He casts out the demon from the Syrophoenician's daughter. He casts a spirit from the epileptic boy. He takes a child into his arms. And here in this scene, he blesses these children. God's kingdom, Jesus says, belongs to people like these children. So when the disciples turn away the kids, Jesus is not just a little bit upset. He is indignant. He's like get in your face mad with his disciples. Because Jesus never approves efforts to stop people from coming to him. Jesus never approves of efforts to stop people from coming to him. The kingdom of God doesn't belong to people who feel like they are entitled to it. There are no VIPs in God's kingdom. There's no special set section. There's not Iron Dukes or Pirate Club or whatever. What's NC State's called when you give gajillions of dollars you get seats? What's that called? The Wolfpack Club, something like that, right? There's, there ain't that in God's kingdom, okay? There's not. The kingdom is not a dynasty type of kingdom, like the Pharisees thought that it was. That's why they don't get it when Jesus talks about it. Jesus just loves kids. He, he loves their wonder. He loves the feeling alive that we get when we are with children. And friends, our world is made for grown-ups. So much so that our kids grow up way too fast. And somewhere along the line, we get the fun knocked out of us. And Jesus says, whoever doesn't welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. If you go to the Marbles Kids Museum uh, in, in downtown Raleigh, and right now I might advise that you don't go there because you'll get sick. Uh, but uh, if you go not during COVID, on the wall in the, in the, in the grocery store area uh, where you can pretend you're shopping and then go prepare your food, uh, I've spent many, many hours there. There's this quote on the wall from the Velveteen Rabbit, and it says, everything that was real was imagined first. Everything that was real was imagined first. My kindergartner has a phenomenal imagination. And so for the past two years, until now when she's in elementary school on Fridays, her and I would spend a lot of Fridays imagining together. First, we'd have to play school and we would go through the exact rhythm of the day, exactly how it was supposed to go. And we would go through every day of the week how it was supposed to go. And, and, and I learned very much about what exactly their rhythm looked like 
at school uh, down to the finest minutiae. And then we'd probably move on to the Barbie dream house, or we might have started there. And in the Barbie dream house, Superman often visits, and so does Cinderella. And then often they like to go rock climbing together, and then they fall off the bed all the way down to the floor, and that's hilarious. And then they get back up and do it again. And, and this happens, and they go in the car and on dates, and then other people come. It's very interesting what happens in Barbie's dream house. And, and then sometimes when we were scared of swim lessons for a while, the, the baby dolls lots of them would line up and go to swim lessons, and she was their instructor and, uh, and would blow the whistle and tell them exactly what they were supposed to do in the swim lessons. And oftentimes, I had to sit and be in the lesson as well. And then other times, other times we were at a restaurant, and, and the menu was made up, and I had to order exactly from the menu, and she would check me out, uh, and also was the server and the chef. I mean, a lot going on here. Um, very much look like a restaurant today. Um, everything, everything, when we are in that place space, in that, in that head space, is magical. Everything is playful. And frankly, everything becomes a musical in her head, too, because usually they're singing and dancing along with whatever is happening. Jesus is saying that God's kingdom is full of wonder and exploration. And that it's new territory for you and for me and for all of us. So you can't just study or work to receive the kingdom. You've got to open up to curiosity, to silliness and joy. You have to put down your to-do list and your desire to succeed and just be with God seeking to understand the realm where children are the ones who are let in first, where cast aside divorcees are equal, where blind beggars and disease-ridden lower-class folks are hidden and healed or are healed and restored. That's, that's what the kingdom is like, Jesus says. Imagine it so that you can walk through the wardrobe and enter it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.